Hello, 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 hello. Welcome. Welcome to church this morning. Uh, if you are new with us this morning, you don't know who I am, uh, my name is James. Or maybe you've forgotten uh, because I've been away since the middle of June. Uh, we had a kid, okay? We had a third born and I took some parental leave. And so I was able to be with my new boy, uh, Weston, who is just a, a wonderful delight. And yes, at four months, he is already walking. No, I'm just, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But he is sleeping through the night, so praise the Lord for that. Yeah, that's been huge. Uh, and then we also have uh, two other uh, boys, uh, Dallas, who is six years old, who is very curious, creative, uh, and loves Minecraft. Uh, and then we have um, Lachlan, who is three years old, who is uh, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he's a lot like his father. Let's just say that. He's got no, he's got no uh, fear, full abandonment to anything. That he's nuts. And so he's going to be the one uh, that helps me uh, continue to get gray hair. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for being here uh, today. Uh, Pastor Sean uh, has been leading us through um, the Ten Commandments, uh, as well as we've had a, a message from Pastor Tyson and, and Darren Abrams in there as well. And these Ten Commandments, uh, we often look at as a society, as Christians, as a list of rules, a list of don'ts, a list of things that uh, sins, these, you know, you, you stay away from these things. Um, but we've thought it was important to look at this in a list of love, a list of communication, a list of how we can better be together. Uh, and the thing about that is um, the Ten Commandments boil down really to two, and it's out of love. Love God and to love others. And so uh, today I am hoping to continue that, uh, to teach you out of love and respect for one another uh, through this series. Now this morning I get to talk to you out of Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse uh, 13, um, which is the sixth commandment. And it's simple. It reads, you shall not murder. Okay. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> I would say that uh, for, for the majority of us, hopefully, uh, nine out of ten of the commandments they, they might be something that we struggle with. We might struggle with uh, telling a little fib here and there, maybe stealing, maybe a lot, maybe, maybe a cer there's certain things that we might struggle with. But hopefully, uh, murder isn't something that we're all struggling with. <laughs> and so you're thinking, hey, James, um, I don't really need to hear your sermon. <laughs> That's not something I'm really dealing with. Uh, I'm going to check out now, and I'm going to meet beat the Baptists to brunch, and so see you later. Uh, no, please stay with me. Stay with me. I have a few things to say. I have a th few things I'd like to, to bring up to you. And so either uh, one of two things will happen this morning. Uh, this, this, this sermon will be out of this world, or I'll be out in space. That's a joke because of our auditorium. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I've been away. I'm just trying to, trying to relate to you. <laughs> Tyson loved that. <laughs> the reality for us is that, that, uh, that this mostly isn't a struggle. We don't really struggle with murdering or taking someone's life, but I believe that this has way more to do with the human sanctity of life, the human, um, the, the, the given from God sanctity of life. 
Like I said, the, the Ten Commandments boil down to two. Love God, love others. And so when it says, hey, do not murder, we're also talking about, hey, it's important for you to love other people. And this commandment is reiterated again and again and again throughout the Bible, and it's always emphasizing the importance of preserving life and respecting God's creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish of the sea. Come on. Amen. Sorry. <laughs> and the birds of the sky, over the livestock, all the wild animals, over the creatures that move along the ground. It's interesting to note here, this does not say, hey, let's make mankind in our image so they can dominate and decimate each other. That they can kill one another. That they will rule one another. It does not say that. It says, hey, you are created to maintain, to take care of this stuff together. That's how I interpret it. We are created to love one another, to work alongside one another, not to kill and decimate and dominate. In fact, God created mankind so that we may glorify him through his creation, through seeing what he has done, through seeing all that is around us. We may bring glory to him. So when we murder, we act unjustly towards his creation. We don't love God in those moments. And when we disrespect one another whether that's through murder or some other actions, I would say that we minimize the holiness of God. And so that's the lens that I'd like to look at it, is love one another. In fact, Jesus actually flips the script a little bit in, in Matthew. Jesus then, he starts talking to, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, he starts saying, hey, you've heard it said this way, and, and, and he's telling the people, you've, you've interpreted it, this way. You've presumed it this way, but I'm going to correct you for a moment, is what he says. Well, he doesn't directly say that, but he's saying, hey, you've probably interpreted do not murder fairly literally. That's good. Don't. But it's deeper, is what he's saying. And so in Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, uh, 21 to 22, you, you, he, he says, you've heard it that it is said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment again. Anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. This tells us a few things. We shouldn't murder, but also we shouldn't be angry. Like we really shouldn't hold on to anger. We should somehow let that go. Have you ever been angry? Anyone? No? Just me? Okay. You can wiggle your left toe. Yeah, I see that toe. Uh, but here's the thing. We have all been angry. Have you ever driven down the road? <laughs> I've, I've, I've driven a few times in my life, and uh, that's probably where I become the most angry, is in my truck. Because people have their own agendas. And so I get frustrated with them. <laughs> then he expands. He says, hey, anyone who, who says raka 
which is translated to when you are basically calling someone worthless. When you say they have no meaning or they're useless. Have you ever at work just had someone that is useless? Hopefully not. Hopefully you've looked at them that way, but I've, I've probably thought that from a time or two. Not here at our church. I've never thought that here. You're, you're good. You're good, Pastor Tyson. You're good. <laughs> but, you know, we've probably thought these things about other people, or uh, have you ever thought of someone as a fool? Or in the Greek, it, 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 it's translated to moros, which kind of sounds like moron, but it's literally translates to stupid. Have you ever ha- seen a stupid driver? <laughs> Don't answer that. <laughs> Careful. I have sinned when I thought that, but I have <laughs> seen people that I thought were uh, fools. I've seen people that I thought, and, and in that regard, Jesus is telling me, hey, actually, you shouldn't think of people as fools. You shouldn't think of them as stupid. You shouldn't think of people as ridiculous or meaningless or whatever. And the thing that I think of is this all boils down into the subject of anger. Now, anger, if we really boil that down, is a secondary emotion to primary emotions. Like, hey, when I'm driving, I'm really mad at this person who cut me off and slowed down because I have my own agenda and I think they shouldn't do that and they're interrupting my day or interrupting my drive. Or, and so I become angry at them, but the primary is that maybe I just thought they were interrupting me and my thing. The, being angry at one another... It cheapens the human dignity that the Lord has given that person. And so we're actually called to not be angry at one another because we don't want to cheapen that dignity that the Lord gave them. In James chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 says, But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Why? Well, because it doesn't produce the righteousness of God. In fact, uh, Galatians chapter 5 Uh, In verse 20, it starts to tell us that those who do such things may not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, In the Chronicles of Narnia, there's a a boy. His name is Eustace. And in specifically the voyage of the Dawn Treader, Eustace uh, doesn't like what he has become. In fact, Eustace becomes a dragon. Eustace becomes this dragon, and and it's told it's because when you have dragon thoughts and you do dragon things, you become a dragon. And Eustace is not a fan of who he is anymore. And it makes me think, how many of us have become dragons because of the way we've thought, the way we've thought about other people, the anger that we hold on to? The bitterness and the resentment that is set in our hearts. Our hearts become hard. How many of us have come to the point where we're not, we're not really proud of who we've become? 
because of the thoughts. How do we process that? How do we process, I'm not a fan of who I am. I'm not a fan of this anger that I have. I'm not a fan of this, this bitterness and this resentment. How do I process getting this stuff out of my life? Well, we've already read it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and every form of malice. Just get rid of it. <laughs> so easy, hey? Just done. Get rid of it. Now, here's the thing. Um, in my life, I have been a very angry individual in my younger years. Uh, and you look at me and you think, oh, James, you're sweet as pie. That's not possible. Thank you. <laughs> I, I grew up a very angry individual. I really didn't mind uh, fighting people. And I really held on to a lot of anger and bitterness. And that controlled my life. But coming to the Lord, I had to learn how to start to let go of that stuff. And I'd love to tell you that all of a sudden my heart changed and I was free. I do believe the Lord can absolutely work like that, but in my life it was a little bit more of a process. There was a little bit more of stuff that got stripped away from my life. And so there is a process that I have had to learn to deal with my anger, my bitterness, my resentment. And this process I'd like to share with you because it's a process that I still use. Because often when I'm stressed out, anger tries to set in. And so I still use this process to try to, to better myself. The first step is this. Be self-aware. Try to grow in your self-awareness. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Test yourselves. Examine yourself. I think it's vitally important that we look inwardly often to see where we are and where we need to be. You are not called to be where you are. You're called to move along and be more like Christ. And so hopefully, you'll be able to examine where you are and know that it's not where you need to be. And you'd continue along the journey. I think in... Today's day and age, society is very much okay with you be you. You are okay with just do your thing. You can be angry. You can be bitter. I think social media, hiding behind a computer screen or your phone, has not helped us. In fact, I would say in the last number of years, I've seen it exacerbate a lot more with people's views. We've been okay with being more bitter and sharing our bitter, resentful views instead of getting rid of them. You're not called to be okay with where you are. You're called to be continuing to move along in the journey to be more like Christ. Because you have not won the race yet. And I believe in order for you to grow, you must self-evaluate. In order for you to grow... In your spiritual life, you need to self-evaluate. In your physical life, in your careers, in your relationships with your friends, you need to self-evaluate. There's a lot of different areas and a lot of different ways. But sometimes, for me, in the middle of my anger, 
Just as that vehicle cut me off, it's hard for me to self-evaluate in my anger. It's hard for me to be like, ah, yes, I am angry because... It is. It's hard sometimes. And so for you, I would imagine uh, it might be hard to self-evaluate sometimes as well. And so that's why I really pray uh, Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. God, help me be more self-aware. God, help bring to surface the things that do not yet please you. Help me get rid of those things to hand them off and trust you. And so in the middle of your anger, maybe it's hard to be self-aware, but I believe the Lord can bring things to you and help you be aware of those things as well. So first and foremost, be and try to be more self-aware. The second way to process your anger is to replace negative thoughts with positive ones. Now, I've been a fairly pessimistic person in my life, which led to anger, which leads to get them before they get you. And I've had to learn to think differently. Think differently about the people around me, the society. And it says this in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So what this is telling me is don't focus on the anger. Do not focus on the malice. Do not focus on the bitterness and the resentment because those things, they're not actually going to bring you joy. Negativity is only going to perpetuate negativity and so you'll be in a vicious cycle. So why not? Replace those thoughts with something a little bit more positive. Like maybe, uh, oh, that guy just cut me off. Instead of thinking, ah, he's so raka. Because um, that's naturally what you think of. <laughs> Instead of thinking that, maybe it's, it's, well, I don't know why he's in a hurry. But Lord, keep him safe as he gets there. <laughs> you know, what if, what if you started to think differently? I don't know why this person is so frustrated and taking a lot of anger out on me, but whatever's going on in their personal life, Lord, I pray that you just help intervene. I think that is love. I think that is whole living. I think that's loving others and loving God. Do not focus on those anger thoughts because they're not going to bring you joy. In fact, we actually learned that it's going to draw us away. In 2 Corinthians 10, um, in verse 5, it encourages us to take every thought captive. Take every thought captive and be obedient to Christ. When negative thoughts start to infiltrate their way into your mind, arise and actively reject them and give them over to the Lord. And say, God, these are yours. You can do, you can take these and give me better thoughts. Replace them with God's truth rather than Satan's lie. So instead of saying, hey, angry because of this, say, well, Lord, I choose joy because I know you're still good. The third is to learn to forgive. 
Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 to 22, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive this person? Uh, Just seven times when they sinned against me? And Jesus is like, no, 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 77 times. I don't think that's literal. Like, I don't think you're supposed to pull out your notebook and be like, one. (laughs) I don't think that's literal. I think Jesus is saying, hey, actually, it's better for you to continue to forgive. I think it's better for you in your own personal life, your spiritual life, in your heavenly life to forgive. And so don't keep count. Don't keep count is what he's basically saying here. This teaches us that, 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 that forgiveness needs to be the central aspect of a Christian's life. That you need to, to continue to forgive without keeping score. Too often we, we, we forgive, but we keep score. I don't think you need to forgive and forget. Don't put yourself in a place where you're going to get hurt again. You need to be wise. But I don't think you need to continue to keep score and hold that against someone. Actually, studies have shown from the American Psychology Association that unforgiveness is terrible for your health. Like it increases your stress, which can increase physical ailments, physical sicknesses. And that's just not sounding like a whole lot of fun. Actually, it says, just as murder takes a toll on both the victim and the perpetrator, unforgiveness consumes the person holding on to it, perpetuating pain and hindering personal growth. I'd put in there spiritual growth as well. So unforgiveness can actually make you sick, spiritually and emotionally, physically. Well, murder involves physically ending someone's life. Unforgiveness is a spiritual and emotional death, poisoning relationships and stifling personal healing. Ronald Rollenheiser says this, whatever pain is not transformed is transferred. That hurts. Whatever pain is not transformed is transferred. And I've seen this in my own life where I come home frustrated for some reason or another and I just don't treat my family the way they deserve to be treated. And I'm frustrated in my marriage or I'm frustrated with my kids because of something that happened as I was driving home. (laughs) I think we could all relate to that. Or... In a more personal aspect, I would say, I've seen that in, in the generations of my family as well. Generational curse after generational curse after generational curse where pain was never dealt with. It was never transformed. And so generation after generation is transferred. And people deal with these things in my family again and again and again. Like I said, I had the victim mentality as a young kid. Where did I learn that from? Why did I hold on to that? You need to learn how to deal with your pain. Because if your pain is not transformed, it will be transferred. It's important. Sometimes that means bringing your pain to a person. That means saying, hey, this is what hurt me. Or, hey, did you mean, when you said it this way, did you mean it this way? Because that's how I interpreted it. 
And the person will often be like, oh, no, 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 that's not what I, that's not what I meant. I'm sorry that you took it that way. I've learned that I have to deal with the pain often for me, and so I'm okay with conflict, personally. Like, I'm not okay with, like, just conjuring up conflict all the time. That's not what I'm okay with. But I'm okay with when there's something in my life that is conflicting, I'm okay with bringing it to someone and saying, hey, is this what you meant? Or this is what hurt me. Can, can we deal with that? It's better for your relationship as a person, as people, and it's better for your relationship with Christ for you to actually just bring it to the, the person. In fact, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 8, verse 15, if your brother or sister sins against you, go and point out their fault just between you two. Like, you go talk to them. Like, you actually should go and point it out. And then it, it continues to go on and it says, you know, if... if uh, if they're not willing to resolve things with you, maybe bring someone else in. And then if that's not going well, then bring in the church. But first and foremost, it says, hey, you should go and bring your pain to that person. And try to resolve it that way. It's important for you to uh, try to address conflict, address your pain discreetly and privately with that person rather than just blasting it out there. Do you know what so-and-so said? Do you know what so-and-so did for me? That's not, that's not helpful. I've learned that, uh, that dealing with someone head-on, rather than sticking my nose in the sand and ignoring it, actually helps me personally, mentally, and emotionally. I'm not carrying around that baggage all day, every day, until I bring it to, the, I bring it to them, and we can just solve it and move on. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, try to live in peace together. Try to live at peace together. It's hard to be at peace when we are internally at war. Deal with what's in your heart. We are to pursue peace with others as much as possible, taking on personal responsibility for fostering harmony and reconciliation. Sometimes when we have dragon thoughts and do dragon things, we become dragons. We become hard-hearted. We become something that we were never created to be. We weren't created to be dragons. We were created to be people. Sometimes things happen. And we become hard-hearted, bitter, and resentful. And I would often also consider that, you know, maybe you didn't have dragon thoughts. Maybe you didn't do dragon things, but you still became a dragon. What I mean by that is sometimes those things can happen to us. The way someone treats us. Someone says something to us. The way life happens. Maybe mental health. Maybe someone abuses the family. Dragon things can happen to us. And we start to become dragons, bitter and resentful and hard-hearted. 
It reminds me of the scripture out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 and 10. And it says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take this away from me. And I have. Lord, take this from me. Why am I dealing with this? I don't deserve this. I didn't bring this upon myself. Why am I dealing with this? And he hasn't taken it from me. And then the scripture continues. God says, James, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Like James, it's going to be all right. The things that you deal with, you know, they're tough, but I'm tougher. My grace is sufficient for you. Your weakness, my power. So trust me. Matthew 5, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But what if I can't? Like, what if things have happened and I just can't? I can't pray for that person. Do you know what they said? Do you know what they did? Well, you're probably holding on to some bitterness, some resentment. And you're just perpetuating the negativity. How do you open your hands? Say, Lord, search my heart. Take this from me. How can I lean into his grace? How can I lean into his mercy? How can I lean into his strength? You know, I've had to seek out forgiveness in the sense of I've had to go to other people that I know I've hurt and say, hey, I'm sorry that I've done this. I've had to go to people that have hurt me with maybe without knowing it and say, hey, this is, this is the situation and this is where I'm at. And that's never fun to hear on the other side. Because if you didn't mean to, you're like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. But it's better for your own health. It's better for your spiritual growth to, to seek out forgiveness, to let go of the bitterness, to let go of those things. So my encouragement to you this morning is to seek out love. Be love. Find peace. In fact, Jesus talks to us a lot about peace. And in John chapters 3 to 17, uh, this is the, the, the final dialogue. This is Jesus' farewell discourse where he's at the Last Supper and he's saying, hey, I know I'm going to go. These are the things that are going to happen, but these are the things I want you to know before I go. And he spends a lot of time talking about peace. He spends a lot of time talking about love and mercy. And through the farewell discourse, Jesus is basically saying, peace, peace, peace. And then we read in John chapter 16, verse 33. I've told you these things, all the things in the previous chapters. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. But in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. His grace is sufficient for you. 
and he will bring you peace. Maybe if there's still a lot of bitterness and resentment in your heart, maybe anger has flooded you. Maybe you're holding on to something and you haven't fully sought out that peace. I'm telling you that Jesus wants to bring peace to you. And I know that because of my own story. He's worked in my life and I know he can work in yours. So take heart. Take heart. Because he has overcome the world. The thing about Jesus is he's on the cross. And he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. People are crucifying him. They beat him. They chanted, crucify him. He says, no, forgive them. Forgive them. And then he forgives us for the things that we have done against him as well. And he calls us to forgive and to love one another as well. In the hardest time, I imagine, of Jesus' life, he still found it possible to forgive. thing about Eustace is that he becomes this dragon. Doesn't like who he is. Doesn't like what he's become. And that's, there's a point in my life where I'd say that is true too. And he's trying to rip off these scales. He's trying to get free from this dragon. He's trying to become Eustace again. He's trying to become the boy again. And he keeps just trying to, and after layer after layer, there's another layer of scales and he can't quite get rid of them. And it's not until Aslan comes up. And Aslan is able to rip the scales off of him and make him a boy again. Aslan brings freedom to him and washes him in the water. Aslan is Jesus for you. Maybe you have spent a lot of time trying to undragon yourself, find freedom. You've tried to forgive other people. You've tried to get rid of bitterness and anger in your life and you found that you can't and, and it's hard and, and you still struggle. Let me tell you, there's a God, there's Jesus who loves you and can wash you clean and take those scales and soften that heart. Jesus can do that for you. He's done it in my life. And so, do not murder. Do not become angry with one another. Forgive one another. Deal with the issues and the conflicts in your lives. I'll read the scripture out of Matthew again. I want you to stand with me and then I'll pray. It says, Matthew chapter 5, again, 21 to 22. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment again. Anyone who says to a brother or sister, rakah, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Forgive, love, find forgiveness, seek the Lord 
hand it over to him. Trust. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. We pray that you would continue to move, that you would continue to work. And Lord, for those who may not know you, may not have relationship with you, Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak to them. Show them your grace. Show them your mercy. And Lord, I pray that if we have hard hearts, Lord, I pray that you would soften them, that you'd transform us. We love you, Lord. In your name, amen. If you maybe don't know the Lord and you don't know that forgiveness, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to talk to you about my story and how the Lord has transformed me and, and tell you about what it, what it means to follow Jesus. But we're thankful for you, church. It's a beautiful, long weekend, and I'm sure that you have a lot to do, a lot to get back to. And so thank you for being here with us, and uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye.